Thank you, brother. Well, I sure hope this is not the one time that he's not on me. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for having me here. And it's a blessing to be here. And I take this as an honor. And I take this very seriously tonight. And I sure hope that I'm a help to you. And this will be a blessing to you. And I hope that when we leave here tonight, we will all be in better shape spiritually when we leave than when we came. So this is what I'd have you to do tonight. Take your Bible out. And I want you to turn to the book of 2 John. And I want to call your attention to one verse. Let's go ahead and stand and stretch. And uh, one more time, then we can be seated. 2 John. And I just want to call your attention to one verse here tonight, and that's verse number 8, a very familiar verse for most Bible believers, and I'll show you what angle I want to take with it here in a moment. Second John, and verse number 8. And the Bible says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. And the one word I want you to really pay attention to here tonight, whether you're a youth or an adult, is that word lose. I don't want you to lose. And your pastor don't want you to lose. Your youth pastor don't want you to lose. And the Lord Jesus Christ don't want you to lose. And I'm going to warn you about the things that can cause you to lose, and I'm going to make a certain application that meant something to me in my life at one time when I was young enough for it to mean something to me and hopefully make some spiritual application out of it for you tonight. Brother Ryman, hey, by the way, I want to give God the glory. Brother Ryman, was it just, a, just two weeks ago, wasn't it? At my church, we had a youth revival, the best meeting I have ever had at that church, maybe possibly in my life, and the Lord really got a hold of it and done something with us and I love you and appreciate what you did and how you helped my church. And I would appreciate it if you pray for me and, and uh, ask the Lord to help me tonight. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Yes. Father, we thank you for Emmanuel putting this on. Yes. God, bless them, Lord. Bless their pastor. Yes, please help them. The, uh, all the workers, the youth pastors, and what they put into this. Yes, Lord. Pray. And God, I ask the Lord that you fill the preacher, Brother Knowles, please, with Lord. the power of God. And Lord, that the. When he speaks, that the Spirit of God will sweep down through here yes, in all of our hearts and give us what we need, uh, Lord. And, and look, Lord, there's somebody here that's lost that needs to be saved. Yes. Help them to get saved. And God, we thank you for this time. But bless my brother, Lord. Put your hand upon him. Please do. For your honor and glory. And we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated tonight. Now, as most of you know, this verse is a warning to all Christians, that we are to be careful that we do not lose our heavenly reward. Amen. I want to make it very clear here tonight, in case you're not familiar with this passage, this is not referring to our salvation. This is just referring to our reward. And the word again that I want you to notice in this verse is the word lose. And tonight I want to preach to you a message by this title, How to have a losing season. I don't want you to have a losing season. 
And I'm going to show you this physical thing that's something that was meant something to me in my life many, many years ago. And I want to make practical application out of it tonight and hopefully be a help to you. When I was younger, in fact, much younger, because I am 52 now, so this was many, many years ago. I know that I don't look like, look like I do, but I have the pictures and a few trophies and stuff at home to prove it. I used to play basketball, and I enjoyed playing basketball. I played basketball on my junior high team. I played basketball on my high school team. Now, I want to tell you this. I went to a real small school, and had I went to a great big school with thousands and thousands of people in it, I doubt very seriously I would have made the team, okay? Let's just be honest about it. But I went to a small school, and it was a basketball school. I mean, they loved basketball, and that's the thing they pumped you up about. They had a few other sports, but their sport was basketball. And I enjoyed basketball, and I played basketball. And uh, so I go through there in the 7th and 8th and the 9th and the 10th and 11th and 12th grade year. And so when I get, when I get into my junior year, I played, on, uh, I played on the varsity team. And I actually had a starting position on the varsity team my junior year. And I remember that we finished that year with a record somewhere close. I think if I'm remembering right, it was like 14 and 6, which is a pretty good record. We were a small school, and we played some schools bigger than us. So we had a 14 and 6 record. And here was the good thing about that record. We had every single starter coming back except for one. All of us that started, all four of us were juniors and one senior. And the one senior that graduated was replaced by a junior that was just as good or better than him anyway. So we didn't lose anything. So everybody was all hyped up about our team. And they thought, man, you're bringing everybody back. You had a 14-6 and six record. I believe I'm remembering that right. That was a long time ago. That was back in the 80s, man. So hopefully I'm remembering that right. Everybody's coming back. Everybody's going to play on that team. They're talking about, man, you're going to have a great team. You're going to do better than you did last year. They were even saying, I think that this team could possibly go to state. So we all come back. And we get the basketball year started, and it was an absolute disaster. It did not go like everybody had anticipated it to go. We actually had a losing season. Listen, we all, as juniors, had a winning season. We came back, and we had a losing season. We certainly had no even no inclination of going to state. And I remember finishing my basketball career after all. I remember being in the locker room that night when we got put out of the tournament real early. I remember sitting there in that locker room and I started crying some. And I remember thinking, since I've been in the seventh grade, all the practices that I've been through, all the running and the sprints and the suicide and the drills. And I got to thinking about all that. And listen, in my high school team, this is what we had to do every day before I picked up a basketball. We had to run one mile. And then we had to do 500 jump ropes. They just believed in, I guess, for your coordination or whatever. We had to do 500 jump ropes, run a mile. Then you picked up the basketball and you played. And I remember sitting there in that locker room and getting my stuff out of the locker, getting ready. And I thought about all those years. And I was sitting there just bewildered and messed up and thinking, what has just happened this last year? Everything that we thought was going to happen, none of it happened. It was a disaster. The team was a wreck. And we didn't win. So this is what happened. Some time ago, I got to thinking about way back yonder to my glory days. Now, old men do that. Don't we? And old men also lie about their glory days. 
when they, when they were young, they make you think they were real good, and they really wasn't. But uh, and maybe it's just the way they remember things. So I, I got to thinking about back to that basketball team, and I, and and then as I was now that I'm older, some things begin to come to my mind, and I'm able to look at it as an adult and not a teenager. And I got to thinking about what derailed us. Why do we t- turn out so bad? Why do we have a losing season? And I just began to think about some things, and I wrote them down as they was coming to me. It's like, I believe the Lord's giving me a sermon. <laughs> and I thought about five things that happened to our team that caused us to have a losing season. And all five things can be applied to you as a Christian or even to a church that will cause you to have a losing season. And when I make a reference to you having a losing season, I'm talking about losing out on your life. The season of your life. So I want to give you a few of these things that won't be long tonight. And I'm telling you, I'm going to give this to you because I don't want you to lose. The Lord wants you to win. Your pastor wants you to win. Your youth pastor wants you to win. Your associate pastor wants you to win. Your parents want you to win. And maybe you're like us. Everybody thinks you're going to win. You wind up losing. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. And I'm going to give you some things that apply to a basketball team back in the 80s in a little town in South Alabama, but it's much more than that. It can apply to us spiritually. Number one, I got to thinking, why do we have a losing season? Number one, injuries. Injuries. I remember I got to thinking about it. We had some of our fellows that played a good bit and did pretty good. They had some injuries. I remember that the, very, the second game of the season, we had a tip-off tournament. We used to have a tournament right there at the beginning. Then sometimes we'd have a little like what we'd call a Christmas tournament, then the end of the season tournament. And that tip-off tournament, they'd have about four teams in it, and you start off the season. And I remember we were playing a school, and I had a big guy in the middle. He was much taller than me. And somebody shot the ball, and it was rolling around the rim. So I did my job. I screened them out, blocked them out. I got ready to crouch down to jump and get the rebound. And when I went down and sprung up to jump, that joker's big old foot about that long was standing on my foot. And so when I jumped up and went, I didn't go anywhere, and it snatched it like that. And do you know what happened? <laughs> It bruised and swole my ankle up. I had to come out of the game. Second game of the season, I had to soak that thing. The very next day, I couldn't even walk on it. I didn't have a cane or nothing. I, I remember crawling around some. on a, It was on a Saturday when that happened. And you know what? That messed up my entire season. It never got better. I, I was having to wrap the thing every day before practice. The ankle would not heal. It would not get better. And you know what eventually happened to me? It so messed up my performance out there playing that I lost my starting position. The one that I had as a junior, I lost it as a senior. And you know what it was? I got hurt. I just got hurt. And listen, I started in the seventh grade as a starter. As an eighth grade, I was a starter. We actually won the county tournament. As a, and when I was in the ninth grade, I played on the B team. Started in, on the ninth and the tenth grade on the B team. Went to varsity. Started in my eleventh grade year. Got in my twelfth grade year. Got in, got in just a few games into the season and lost my starting position. Why? I was injured. And I, didn't, I couldn't recover. 
And some of you are going to have a losing season because you've been injured. You've been hurt. And either you won't do what it takes to be recovered so you can recover or you don't want to be recovered. You know when Christ is going along there in uh, John chapter 5 and he's got those people there at the, uh, the pool of Bethesda and he asks them a very strange question. He says, will thou be made whole? And some people say, how in the world can Christ come up to a man that's been sick for 30 something years and ask him if he wants to be made well? Well, pastor a while and I can tell you exactly why he said it because everybody don't want to be made whole. You want to remain the victim. You want to keep your bitterness. You want to keep your anger. You want to keep your unforgiveness. You don't want to move on. You don't want to get better. Some people don't want to get better. They don't want to get healed. They don't want to give up whatever it is that's got that's festered in their heart. That's messing their life up. Maybe there's some teenager here like that tonight. Maybe there's some adult like that here tonight. And I'm telling you, you're injured. And if you don't see about that injury, you're going to have a losing season. You're going to lose out for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I should have done? I should have rested. I should have treated my ankle better. You know what I should have done? It would have been, it would have been better to miss a few games and got that thing taken care of than to mess up my whole season. Never I finished out, because I had no hopes of going to college and playing, but I finished out my basketball career sitting on the bench because I got injured and I didn't get it fixed. But I kept trying to play and practice, see. You still, you, you still come to church, still part of the youth group. Maybe you did popcorn preaching tonight. Maybe you got a candy bar. Maybe you look real spiritual. Maybe you flipped in there and you found a scripture before anybody else did here tonight. But you know what's in your heart. You're injured. And there's something in there, and I'm telling you right now, you may still be playing in the game, but you're hobbling around. Yep. And the Lord knows it's in there, and I'm telling you right now, you ain't gonna, you're gonna, eventually, eventually, you're not even going to be able to make it till you, <laughs> fake it till you make it. You're going to be over there on the bench, sold up. Why ain't I playing? Why ain't I playing? You were injured, and you didn't take care of it. That will cause you to get a losing season. And if you're here tonight and you're injured and something's got a hold of you and something's messed you up inside, I'm asking you and I'm begging you. There's some kind of bitterness or anger or you're distrustful of people now. And maybe you've been hurt by your friends or your family or some other Christian or life. Maybe you're even experiencing some depression and anxiety from it. You're injured mentally. You're injured spiritually inside of yourself. You better deal with that because that's going to cause you to lose for the Lord. You better, get, you better get that taken care of. Number two, <laughs> I'll tell you another reason, and it, and, it, and it occurred to me after I got to thinking about it. Number two, we had a losing season because we stopped growing. Something very interesting happened. When I was in the ninth grade, I was six foot tall. Now I'm, I'm closer to 5'11". I've shrunk some over the years. So when I was in the ninth grade, they started running me in the post. I was playing high post, and that's where they were doing, working with me on the forward. They said, well, you know, he's, he's six foot tall in the ninth grade. By the time he's in the twelfth, he'll be six three or six four. For a little country school, that'll be fine for, to play inside and be a, be a post player. I didn't grow anymore. For whatever reason, I did all my growing before the ninth grade. Here's something else that was weird that happened. The rest of those fellows on the team, they didn't grow anymore. 
The tallest guy we had on our team was right at about six one and a half, close to six two. All those folks that played guard and everybody, they were like 5'11", 5'11 We did not grow anymore. And so when we stopped growing, there was no way that we could play basketball with the running gun folks. And I'm going to bring that back up here in a moment. We were not running gun material, and we could not rebound with folks. We played a very uh, specific type of basketball. And again, I'm going to bring that up here in a moment. Where, where we th you throw it into your point guard, and he comes down the court real slow and deliberate, and he comes down, and he's setting up an offense every time, and he's going to this wing, and he comes back, and he's looking, he's looking, he's going to that wing. He's trying to hit me in the middle so I can go to a wing or go to the low post, and we're doing that back and forth methodically. We're good passers. We're, we're, we're playing with our mind. We're good, we're good dribblers until we get a fellow open, and once he gets open, boom, that's how we win the game. That's how we play the game. We can't run. But when you stop growing, a fellow that's six foot tall cannot rebound with a fellow that's six five. You know what's happened to some of you? You stopped growing. Because you're fooling around with sin. Your growth is stunted. And you got to a place where you refuse to go any farther. You know, a lot of churches are like that. A lot of churches will grow, and I, I have one in particular where I saw God bless the church and grow the church and move in the church, but they got to a point where they were not willing to bear any more reproach for the Lord and go any farther. And it was just like the Holy Spirit come through there and said, all right then, good night, turned the light out, and was gone. He'll do it in a church, and he'll do it in a Christian's life. And once you stop growing, listen, that you do not stay the same place as a Christian. Either you're going to continue to grow or you're going to go backwards. You will not stay at the same place very long. And some of you, if you're fooling around with sin, you're not as committed and just playing the church game and just going through the motion. And maybe if some of you are very honest, and it's not just the teenagers, maybe it's an adult in here, you can say, really, Brother Dennis, I haven't really grown much for the Lord in the last few years. All right, you're going to lose. It's going to, listen, it's going to cost you the game. I'm not talking about a stupid little high school game. I'm talking about the one that matters that winds up with a trophy presentation at the judgment seat of Christ. That's where that game winds up. And it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. And I don't want it to. That's why I'm here tonight. I'm trying to warn you. I don't want it to. So we lost because we stopped growing. Number three, I got to thinking about this. I believe we had a losing season because there was a lot of drama and distractions on that team that year. I remember my previous years, it didn't seem like it did that senior year, but I remember for whatever reason that senior year, there was a lot of boyfriend and girlfriend problems. Let me just say this. You get hooked up with the wrong boy or the wrong girl, and you will lose for the Lord. You young men hear me? You get hooked up with the wrong gal and you'll lose for the Lord. You ladies hear me? You get hooked up with the wrong sucker and you will lose for the Lord. What you need to do is lose him or lose her. And I can tell by the stare of some of you, I got your number. But I, but I don't want you to take it personal because I don't have your number i tell you who's got your number, and we're going to talk about him in a moment. He's the referee. That's the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's got your number. 
And he's trying to help you tonight. And he's trying to tell you, whoever it is you're interested in, you better forget her. She's bad business. You hear me? You better forget him. He's bad business. He's going to cause you to lose. We had all these distractions and drama. And then, unfortunately, I, I really am sorry to tell you this. I was not raised in a Christian home, and I didn't go to church, and I didn't have the opportunity some of you did. And like many teenagers, we were partying and drinking and doing some real bad stuff. And that got us our focus off and worried about girls and worried about this and worried about that. And you know what, I, what we did in that season, Pastor? We, we lost our focus. And once we lost our focus, we lost our desire to win. We didn't care anymore. Who or what is distracting you here tonight? Who, who's got you messed up? Who is going to ensure that they make sure they take you down with them? See, see, some of you are hooked up with a loser, and bless God, if you don't get unhooked with them, they're going to make you a loser with them. Evil communication corrupt good manners. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. But you just keep on going. You just keep on going. You're going to be a loser. And the wor- listen, the worst kind of loser ain't a fellow losing a basketball game. It's not, a, it's not a fellow losing an athletic event at all. Or, or you didn't, I didn't win Bible drill. Okay, that's fine. That doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. He picked me out of the corner first pick. Okay, well, he was just lucky. He kept picking the same corner over and over. <laughs> nah, maybe he wasn't lucky. I don't know. I'm talking about losing where it will really hurt. Listen, it's one thing to lose something that only affects you until the grave. But losing down here for the Lord will affect you in eternity. And so we lost because we have so many distractions. Number four, I got to thinking about this. We, we actually, I believe we lost because we had a new coach. Now listen to me. A coach is like a pastor. Like a youth pastor. Now let me tell you what happened with this new coach. I want everybody to listen to me, especially you adults. This may apply just as much or more to the adults as it does to these young people. This new coach wanted to run and gun, and we never did that. We were not built to do that. And listen to me now. Looking back at it now, I still don't know why he wanted to run and gun. I still don't know why he could take a bunch of us and do that with us. But he did want to do it. He was the new coach and he came in and he did that. He changed our entire offense around and the way we did it. And it was a disaster. But you listen to me and you listen to me well. We got to bowing up and upset with him because he was doing that. I remember that. Some people were sort of being sarcastic, which was unheard of back in the 80s. You couldn't run your mouth at teachers back then. The parents were getting mad. People were getting upset. They were saying their little things about it. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. And you know what the problem was? It went far deeper. Do I, d- d- to this day at 52, do I think that coach made some errors in trying to get us to run and gun rather than going out and playing a half-court offense? Of course, I still, I still think he did. However, the problem was he had a bunch of rebellion because he was a new coach 
with new ideas, doing new things that we weren't comfortable with and we didn't like, so we just uh, just re- re- were repelled by it and we were... We, uh, reacted to it very wrongly. It might have could have went a lot better. He might have even quit it if we would have quit our nonsense. Some of you have a problem with authority. And you young folks, you have a problem with your mom and daddy because you found inconsistencies in them. They're there. They're there. They're there. I found inconsistencies with my youth pastor. Okay, it's there. With my associate, with my, with my pastor. Okay, they're all there. They're all there. Listen, if you're, if you're looking for Lent on me this, tonight, you won't have to look hard to find it. I'm talking about real Lent. I'm not just talking about figurative Lent. There's plenty wrong with me. There's things wrong with me you don't even know about. I can tell you something. You don't have to lie about me. I got plenty of this truth that you can tell everybody about. But somebody's inconsistency does not mean that that's the kind of person they are. You have to take the totality of a person. Not little isolated incidents where they blow it or they don't do everything right. You take the totality of a man or a woman. And once you take the totality of a man or a woman, are they a good man? Are they a good woman? Yes, they are. But you may be a rebellious little punk. And the problem's not with the inconsistencies of your mom and your daddy and your leaders and your teachers. The problem with you is you may have a rebellious spirit in your heart and mom and daddy, they may have a rebellious spirit in your heart because they hear your rebellion and your talking at the dinner table about some of these leaders in here. And that'll cause you to lose. You'll lose. How many times I got to tell you tonight, I don't want you to lose. I want you to win. I caused you to lose. We had a new coach. And then I got to thinking about one more thing that involves this point. The pressure of the parents. You know, they were, we had this new coach and, um, they were giving him such a hard time. By the way, we finished that season my senior year and they fired him the next year. They fired the coach the next year. Sometimes I wonder if he just showed up just for me. <laughs> I wonder if he just showed up just for me. God was doing something in my heart way back then to get me prepared. I don't know. But the pressure of the parents, they gave this coach a hard time. They were mad because he was losing. He was under a lot of pressure. I think it reflected in his coaching and maybe some decision making, some of the pressure he was getting. And I remember one thing he did. This, one of the, the, one, some of the main parents were, that were upset because their boy, who was 11th grader, wasn't playing. It, well, he was playing. He got to play a, a good bit, but he wasn't starting. So they were giving this coach a hard time because we were losing or whatever. And I remember one time that coach walked in the locker room and he was talking to me because what he had done, he gave him a good excuse. My ankle had gotten hurt and I wasn't performing like I was. And he put me on the bench and he put this fella in. And I can't remember word for word what he said, but you know what that coach told me? He said, he told me basically he was getting some pressure. And he said, uh, he said you know, we've got to have somebody that can have the right attitude about it. See, I wouldn't fuss at them. And oh, my mom and daddy were not part of the PTA. 
They were not rich. They were not known. And they didn't give that coach a hard time. But this, family's, this family did. And that coach succumbed to it. And to get some pressure off of him, which it didn't work in the long run, he got fired. He said, I can take the poor kid whose mom and dad ain't going to fuss about nothing and put him on the bench. He's already got a hurt ankle anyway. See how that stuff goes? Yeah. And he even, he even, in so many words, confessed that to me in a conversation. But what am I going to say? I got nobody to go to bat for me. He's a coach. You know what that was? That was outside pressure. They weren't in that locker room. They weren't at practice. They weren't on the team. They weren't on the coach. They would have kept their big mouth shut. But my little darling needs to play. I'm trying to be careful here because I'm getting a little agitated when I think about it. My boy played Little League and the worst ones out there cussing and hollering. And one of them, one of them I had to call the law on was women. Women cussing and hollering over a little league game. It's little league. The bat's bigger than him. What's wrong with you? But it was outside influence, man. You know, your family and your friends and the people that don't even go to this church, maybe don't even like this church, but the ones you want to be cool with or stay good with or whatever, they'll get in there and yep. Yep, 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 and put pressure on you to quit, to compromise, just like they did that, just like they did that, that I call him a preacher, but he was a coach, he's a type of a preacher, just like they did that coach and run him off, get him out of here, he's the problem. And you know what, that, what all these folks running their mouth telling you how you ought to play the game, but they ain't never been in it at all? Listen, it's, a lot, it's real easy to sit up there in the stands and drink Coca-Cola and eat popcorn. It looks t- totally different when you're down there on the court where the action is. Everybody knows what to do with a tiger except for the one that's got him by the tail. Them folks going to cause you to lose. Now here it is. We get ready to wrap this up. The player is you. The team is your local church. The coach is your pastor. Your opponent is the WFDs. We're playing the WFDs. That's the world, flesh, and the devil. And the referee is the Holy Spirit of God. And when the referee runs down there, runs on that court, and he blows that whistle, and he goes, beep, foul, number 44. That was my number. Dennis Knowles, foul. You know what you're supposed to do? They used to do it. They, don't, they ain't done this in many years because people are just spoiled brats and you didn't see it and you're wrong and you didn't have the right angle. Let me tell you something, brother. The Holy Spirit has never called a foul and missed it. Used to what you did when you played basketball and somebody called a foul on you. You know what you did? You stuck your hand up in the air. You acknowledged it. You said, I fouled the man. I'm wrong. The referee got me. I'm guilty. And if the Holy Spirit of God tonight has called a foul on you, there's only one thing you can say is I'm guilty. Because he doesn't miss any calls and he's not bought off. And he doesn't care what your mom and daddy says. He's just about the truth. And one day when that buzzer goes off, three, two, one. 
And it, I remember that night when I played my final game. I remember that night leaving the court. I remember that night going in there in that dressing room and sitting down on that bench for the last time. I remember cleaning my locker out and leaving and saying, man, what a way to finish it up. And that's the way, and the worst thing is, some of you are going to finish that up for the Lord just like that. And I want you to. And I want you to. Maybe you're not even on the team and the Holy Spirit's called a foul and you're going to lose. You're going to lose your soul. Matthew 16, 26, For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You're going to lose your soul. You're going to have a losing season, but your season is an eternal season in the lake of fire. I don't want you to go there. You're going to have a losing season. I'm asking you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you're saved. You're a saved teenager. You're a saved adult. And you may be working on a losing season right now. I'm talking about your life. But the problem is it's going to cause you to lose an eternity at the judgment seat of Christ. And this is what I'm asking you to do as I get ready to close. I'm asking you not to let emotional injuries of life get you angry and bitter with God and others. And some of you are not in your Bible and you've reached a plateau in your Christian life and you're not going any farther and you're going to lose reward. You are. Some of you have so much drama and distraction in your life that you cannot possibly win for Jesus Christ. And you better deal with it. Some of you are rebelling to authority and you think it's okay because you found some true faults with your leaders. And you're in trouble. You're, you're a loser. You're a loser. Some of you are letting the pressure of your friends and your family and the world ruin your season. And as I said before, I want you to win. And most of all, the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to win. And listen, you can win. But in order for you to win, you had better deal with the things in your life that are causing you to lose. Every head bow and eye close. Every head bow and eye close. And whoever's going to take this over, you come on now. to say much right here and I don't know how your church does invitations or how they do anything like this maybe you've never been in church I don't know everybody in here but we call this we call this the invitation what we're doing is we're inviting you to come and if you're saved we're inviting you to come down here and just speak with the Lord and maybe maybe the Holy Ghost put some put some fouls in your way and said hey hey you're you're not doing that right you're letting those things get in your way and you're not gonna, you're, you're gonna lose. And Lord's doing everything he can tonight to make sure you don't lose. Preacher gave you some great things so you can get some things out of the way to help you be a success. 
Maybe you're in here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't even know what it means to know for sure you're going to heaven. There's an invitation extended now to you to not lose your soul for all of eternity in a lake of fire. We'd love for you to come forward, get my attention, and we'll have someone open up a Bible in private. We'll have one of your leaders come. We'll have someone that can open up a Bible and show you out of the Word of God the promise of eternal life. God said you can know you've got eternal life. You don't have to lose forever. You can have success for all of eternity. And if you've never done that, I'd, I'd love to have somebody show you from the Bible. And you can ask whatever questions you want. And in a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing, we're going to give you just a couple of minutes to make those decisions. And I'm going to ask, would you come? If the Lord's dealing with you, wouldn't you come? I don't know about you, I don't like being a loser. I hate losing. I hate losing. I'm ultra competitive. You can ask all of my church members. <laughs> I hate losing. It bothers me that Christians don't mind losing their rewards. It bothers me that a lost man wouldn't, wouldn't worry about losing his own soul. It bothers me that we more, we're more concerned about a basketball game or a baseball game or a football game than we are about our Savior and winning for Him. Let's go ahead and stand. Father, I do thank you for the night. I thank you for the preacher. I pray you would help us. Father, if we need to do some business, I pray you'd help each person be willing to surrender and do what you ask of them. Father, we pray Jesus Christ would get all the glory in his precious and holy name we pray. Amen.